and welcome to today's webinar um, where we are going to achieve, well, this is a chit-chat session with one of our guests where we're going to achieve total accountability through month and close. Uh, my name is Nancy Wu and I lead sales and customer support for SkySTEM. Um, this is going to be our first chit-chat session in 2021. If this is your first time, we've actually, uh, we regularly do these chit-chat sessions where we get our customers and our users on to share their perspective on modernizing and automating the work that they do at MonthEnd. So um, I think this is a really fitting topic um, since, you know, technology is more than ever integral to our daily lives as we get adjusted to today's reality for work, whatever that looks like for you, but it could be anything from having to juggle a remote work team to maybe having to make do with fewer resources to having to, you know, manage morale while at the same time delivering on deadlines. And there's really nothing better than hearing the stories of those who have walked that same path. And they have taken a traditional, a manual process as we know it, and modernized it to fit their needs today. Let me introduce you to Countrymark. Uh, Countrymark is an American-owned oil company. It has a vertically integrated fuel production process. So they produce their own crude, um, crude oil, which is then refined at their own refineries in Indiana. They even own the 238-mile private pipeline that delivers the fuel directly to its own terminals. So they, they make and sell other products as well, like they make commercial lubricants. Their products are sold all over Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, and Kentucky. So if you're out in that general area, you probably know them. Um, Countrymark has more than 200 branded delivery routes and more than 100 branded fuel stations. In fact, more than 65% of farmers and 60% of schools in Countrymark's service area are powered by Countrymark fuel. It is one of the largest private companies headquartered in Indiana. It is, interestingly enough, um, also a farmer-owned co-op, and it's been like that since 1919, so 1919, and it remains one of the largest co-ops in the United States today. Uh, so our guest today is Country Mark's Director of Accounting, Nikki Collier. Nikki, thank you so much for being here today, and would you mind sharing just a little bit about yourself with our audience? Yes, no problem. So I have been with Countrymark about seven years. I have been in the accounting, finance, and supply chain areas for a little over 30 years. I think I once I hit 30 years, I just said a little over um, so that I don't have to uh, talk about how many years that's actually been. Um, so at, <laughs> now, Nancy, be nice. So at Countrymark, um, when I came here about seven years ago, I like to say that we ran the company as if it was a mom and pop shop, um, but we were a one billion dollar company. So we had a lot of um, upgrading to do in our technology areas. Um, and it has been a forever changing environment over the last seven years. 
and we've really made some good progress. And I like to say that SkyStem was our first foray into um, automation on the accounting and finance side. And since that point, we've taken it and we have now adopted a lot of automation technology in our treasury areas, um, our accounts payable and AR solutions as well. So we're in a continually wow. changing environment, um, but this has been uh, a really good step for us um, to make some progress on uh, the accounting and finance area in the areas of efficiency. Yeah, that's also, I did not know that, Nikki. I knew you guys had just finished recently another conversion, um, yes. which, you know, we'll talk about later, but I, just from our experience working with you and your team, it really, it really looked like you guys were so seasoned in this, but um, yes, let's walk us through it. So walk us through, um, think back to before this automation for your month and close, walk us through your typical process, because I think you had over a dozen people involved in the work. Um, you certainly had, you know, hundreds of reconciliations that had to be done and the work was happening. It was um, just, you know, I know kind of manual, kind of laborious. So maybe just walk us through it. Yes. So we have a team of um, 16 in our accounting and finance area of which about 11 of those um, individuals are doing account reconciliations on a regular basis. And before we had SkyStem, everything was done very manually. Uh, it was very spreadsheet driven. And if you could imagine um, storing all of those reconciliations on the computer and then having um, our controllers or myself trying to review those and just finding you know, the documentation that went with the reconciliations was really difficult. Um, I have to say that our close process itself uh, was fairly quick, um, worked fairly well, but it was really the efficiencies um, that we were after in being able to organize the account reconciliations, see if there was any automations we could achieve, and then focusing on um, looking at those recs that really needed focus, not the ones that you know were necessarily not changing a lot from month to month. Mm -hmm. If I recall, um, you know, when we spoke, um, the the reconciliations were done on spreadsheets, and I believe because your team was very diligent in doing this, then they would put those recs onto is it folders in the share drive and then yes. whoever is either right managing them they would go into like each folder see if it's there yes we have um, we had two controllers and myself doing the reviews for the other 11 people that were actually producing the reconciliations and we had broken the reconciliations down into specific categories like inventory or liabilities, cash, um, and they were stored on a shared drive. And like you said, we would have to go into these folders and try to not only find the spreadsheet, but also, you know, make sure we had the correct backup so that if we had any questions, then we were emailing and there just really wasn't a good smooth process to say, 
yes, I've signed off on this rec, other than, you know, to type my name inside the Excel spreadsheet that I was okay with it. So um, SkyStem has just really taken us into um, what I call the future of being able to quickly review, um, sign off, and give feedback on those, re on those reviews. Yeah, I think that's the thing with um, the close, but you know, also the reconciliation work is like to do it right. If you want to follow, you know, to the true spirit of how the work is done and um, how the internal control should be executed from a reconciliation work, to do that right, it's a lot. It's not just doing the right, but you got to store it. It's got to, like you said, have the right paperwork. It's got to be reviewed. It's got to be logged. And um, and let me show you the slide here because this is. This is a theme that gets echoed all the time. If you've been on our other chit chat sessions, um, just because the process is manual, it doesn't mean that it's not working. All of our customers, before they decided to modernize in this area, they were running very mature accounting teams, just like Nikki, right? Where people know what they're doing and the work is getting done. It just comes at um, a cost. Right, because the timeline is longer than what we like it to be. The quality of the work is not always consistent, not because of the competency of the people, it's just a lot of work. Right? People are burdened with a hundred administrative steps just to get the clothes finished. Um, the work requires sometimes a disproportionate amount of effort compared to the output. So it dominates our resources. It's expensive once you factor in the hidden cost of people's time, right? If you value that. So so we go through these gyrations just to get the clothes done, and then we breathe this big sigh of relief, and we go, phew, and then we start over again next week. Uh, and I think one other thing that folks sometimes don't think about is there's really no insight onto this process once you've completed it the old-fashioned way. Right? So it's hard to do any kind of analytics. Right? And this slide here, these are, these are the, I guess, grumblings we hear all the time from our executives, from our controllers, um, and I know we touch upon a few here, but you know, different people encounter um, different issues to, to certain degrees. It really depends on what you're doing today and what you're trying to achieve. So Nikki, was, um, I understand this was not a comfortable process for you. Was there a sort of event or a trigger point or some sort of breaking point where you just threw your hands up and say, we gotta find something different? Yeah, Nancy, I really do think that, you know, things were working, like you said, but they were very, very manual. And I felt like we were not getting the focus that we needed on our balance sheet. And in my experience over the years, I've found that businesses that focus heavily on their balance sheets typically end up being your long running companies your companies that are growing because they have a very good, strong balance sheet and they know mm -hmm. where they need to focus based on that. So it is an area that really drove us to selecting SkyStem um, for that reason, being able to put more focus on the balance sheet, allow you know some of these reconciliations that are done quarterly or monthly that don't change drastically, we can automate mm -hmm. those with the SkyStone product. And I think that has allowed us to focus only on the recs that really need, you know, some heavy review. It's been 
quite the time saver for us. Yeah, and those are good points. Um, and later on, guys, I'm going to log into our system. We're going to log into ART, and I'm actually going to show you some of the things that Nikki's alluding to. Um, first, let's talk about how you did the evaluation. And it's not uncommon for us to talk to, you know, controllers and um, VP finances, and, and they kind of had an inkling where they go, well, I think this makes sense, but sort of what are the steps? Like, do you clear it with management first? Um, in, in your situation, do you, um, you know, sort of open this up to the staff first? Was there like an ROI you guys have to do? Maybe walk us through how you guys went through this evaluation. Sure. I have to say that one of our controllers and I both had been talking about, you know, products that we had heard about, seen about, and decided that we felt we could really get some benefit, but we needed to learn more. Uh, so we did kind of a deep dive into this area and narrowed our base of evaluation to about three companies. Um, and you really do have to look at all of the offerings because some go into much more detail in multiple areas. Um, others, you know, focus just on kind of a, what I call automating the spreadsheet. Um, and then others, you know, may focus on those reconciliations, but give you tools to improve overall. So we actually, um, I presented to our CFO just kind of a, an overview of where I thought we could make some gains and what that ROI was that I thought we could achieve based on um, the gains. In addition, I focused pretty heavily on being able to utilize the tool during audit. Um, the first year we implemented, we didn't use it uh, specifically in audit, but since then we have, and it has definitely decreased the amount of time um, because we've, you know, utilized the system to allow the auditors to get in, but only see what we want them to see. So we were able to, you know, use that ROI process. And then one of the most important things is getting on a web call like this to discuss what each product can actually do and how they go about bringing that to fruition. Mm -hmm. And did you have your entire team sit in on these demos and then sort of debrief after, or was it you and you lieutenants or um, how, how did you decide? We actually um, picked a couple of volunteers from within the group that does a lot of different types of reconciliations and had that couple of people there participate with our controllers. And then once we had kind of narrowed down to the solution we thought was best, obviously SkySim, then we brought everyone on to see a demo of the system and, and be able to ask questions. And that was, that was good. Um, and Nancy, as you know, you know, I've told you many times that we, we definitely had people within our group that were not real excited about the change, um, <laughs> but it really was completely having those one-on-one -on -one discussions, getting them to see um, what the system can actually do. And I think 
after the first month when we achieved 10% automated reconciliations, you know, then people started to take a little bit of notice and want to know a little bit more and how yeah. they could get their um, reconciliations <laughs> to be done for them. <laughs> Let's, yeah, let's take a look at that. That is a popular one. That certainly gets people's ears perked. So I've, I've logged into our solution. Um, let me set the stage a little bit before I ask Nikki to jump in. Uh, the concept of art is simply that we take the work that is done during month end, so things like updating closing checklists, reconciling a balance sheet, doing a flex or variance analysis, through infusing automation in all of those areas, we help accountants reduce the overall, uh, I guess, pile of work that needs to be done, streamline the rest, eliminate the paper and the admin aspect of it. And then, because we have all this data, we can provide you with some real-time analytics. The way the, we'll talk about the reconciliations first. The way the reconciliation process kicks off a month end is that your trial balance from your GL is going to be fed or uploaded into art and that's going to start populating reconciliations reconciliation checklists dashboards which is what you see right now and first off nikki i know the dashboard is something that you and your team really liked um which is why i have pulled up can you just speak um because i know what i like about it but i think folks want to hear from you <laughs> can you speak just briefly yeah. about how you use the dashboard and what that means to you so I will tell you both from my perspective and our controller's perspective versus those that are doing reconciliations. From my perspective, the dashboard is so awesome to be able to come in and kind of see where everybody is in the process. Um, I can kind of see, okay, do we have certain people overloaded with reconciliations that we need to regroup? Do we have you know, what is our percentage of reconciliations that are actually happening during our four-day close process? And believe me, four days is longer than I would like, but um, due to some complexities around the industry, it seems to be a fairly decent standard around our industry for four days. Um, but I like to be able to look at the fact that now, prior to use of SkySim, we only did about 26% of our recs during the close process. Everything else was done after close. And so that means people were backtracking. They were just hoping that everything was going to work out based on the entries that they had done. Now, 52% of our recs are done during the close process itself. The, another 25% of those the reason they're not done during the close process is all about our motor fuel tax, which is specific to our industry. So if I really look at it, over 75% of the recs that really pertain to close are done during the closing process itself now. And I think that's a real big benefit of being able to use the dashboard and make determinations on balancing out of work and you know, how progress is occurring. And I think just the fact that, Nikki, you're able to spew out these numbers yes. <laughs> is pretty powerful because, you know, yes. you know, again, a lot of teams, this is no fault of anyone. Just the fact that you're swimming around in 300 spreadsheets, most of the time, you're not going to know, right, how many right. recs are done right now or before close or after X. There is just no way to know unless you get someone to go and count it. So just the fact that you, you know, it's, it's at your fingertips, you can just 
say it, um, mm -hmm. I think is really powerful. Okay, so this is what Nikki was alluding to. So what I've done now is I've gone into a reconciliation checklist, right? So beneath the dashboards, when your GL information comes in, it's gonna lay out all your reconciliations for the month. Um, so this is uh, it's gonna tell you which accounts are supposed to be reconciled, which ones, um, who they belong to, and what is the GL balance, gonna track the status, et cetera. And I'll show you an example of one in a bit. Um, but this is where the system reconciliation function comes in. You'll see some of these accounts, they say system reconciled or sys reconciled. What these are is ARC way of dividing up the work pile. So it's looking at, let's say, you know, 200 reconciliations for the month and it's saying, well, out of those 200, you know, 40 of them do not require manual intervention. And this is where folks start to get really excited, especially if you have a lot of accounts, because chances are not every account is important. Not every account has, you know, tons of activity happening. Um, some accounts are just kind of just there or they're really straightforward or, but you still want to look at them, right? Just make sure nothing funny is going on. So this is where our system reconciliation capabilities come in where you could in advance tell our system to say, hey, if the balance doesn't change or if it's supposed to be zero balance and it is, or if it will show like a simple one, if it behaves in a certain way, then go ahead and close it out, right? Just get that sign off, make the auditors happy, but you're going to have a machine looking at these algorithms and, you know, basically shutting them down as opposed to having to require a staff or more often a supervisor going in and saying, all right, well, it's still the same <laughs> balance as it was last month. You know, let's pull together the spreadsheet that frankly is very meaningless. Um, so we've seen, yeah, I think you guys hit 10% like right away. We've oh, yeah. seen 10, yeah, 10%, 25%. Um, for some of our financial services customers, we've seen over 50%, like as time goes on, because oh, they wow. need to, you know, yeah, sometimes apply some history. As time goes on, sometimes over 50% of these recs can just be done. And, you know, there's no big deal if you're looking at 25 recs, but if you're looking at 500 reconciliations, that becomes really, really attractive. So what that's going to leave you with, and this is something I want to make sure I communicate, because having these sort of reconciliation automation, it doesn't mean you can just forget about all your recs, right? What it means is that it's going to separate the work into one pile where the system does it consistently, it probably does it better, and another pile where you actually want to apply some brain power, you know, some of your valuable resources towards it. So it's making that distinction and so that we can really properly apply our resources. Here's one example of a reconciliation that, you know, is really straightforward and everyone has this. This is like a prepaid reconciliation. And we all know how this goes. The GL balance comes in and what do we use to support the prepaid? Well, it's usually a whole bunch of schedules and stuff that is amortizing. A lot of times it's on Excel. And what we can do here is to actually set up all your amortizations ahead of time so that it's just amortizing on the rec by itself. Um, and we don't have time to go super deep into how we do that, but the idea is that if you can predict any type of activity, accruals, amortizations, you know, depreciation, et cetera, um, you could actually set up that um, practice ahead of time, and then it will self-accrue, it will self-amortize, and it'll just keep going. You can attach documents to it. It just go on its own until it is fully amortized or until you change your mind. 
Um, and that's another way where we can start to really just introduce some artificial intelligence into that process so that it's not like completely relying on the heroics of your people to, you know, grab the sheet and update it and roll it and go copy and paste the balance and then make sure we save it. I hope I remember to sign it and stick it in a share drive and then your manager comes in and says, oh, it's the wrong version. You're just bypassing all of that <laughs> and just really get straight to the point in terms of, hey, let's just get these wrecked them. And you bring up an important point, Nikki, is that ideally, most of our reconciliations are done by the time we close. This is ideally. So don't beat yourself up too much if that doesn't happen today, but that is what should happen, right? So you actually start on these reconciliations a little bit before the close, right? And then you rely on this kind of technologies and separate the work. And then that is how you can actually get to the point where by day three, day four, day five, even, you're pretty much done with your high and medium risk accounts. And then whenever you want to get to your low risk account, it's going to be up to you. It doesn't even have to be this month. So that is what leading practice is going to tell you. Um, and if you think that's really unreasonable because, you know, it's probably because you're just using a lot of different spreadsheets and paper and email to, to accomplish this. Um, okay. Uh, Nikki, I had a question before around your management. Were they supportive of this idea right away? Did it require some convincing? Because you mentioned that this is kind of your first foray at Countrymark, at least in finance, into this kind of modernization. So that must have been a new concept for the management team. How did they receive this? They did. I think that um, it did take them a little while. As a matter of fact, it took about six months for me to really convince them that this was good for the business. Um, and now I think, you know, they they take my uh, recommendations a little uh, faster these days because we have totally revamped our finance and accounting group to be much more into analytics and helping make business decisions than just closing the books. Um, of our 16 people, um, we actually probably have only about five people that spend on what I would call general accounting. Um, like I said, 11 do some recs throughout the month or during close but only about five participate in, in general accounting um, and compliance type activities where we've started transitioning other people to do more analytic work and um, reporting, utilizing you know, tools that are out there today, including Skystem. Yeah, and that's a good point. Um, let me show our audience a couple other things. So. Um, this is what Nikki is alluding to, you know, beyond using it for reconciliations, there's actually a lot of the capabilities you could use the system for, one of which is around the variance analysis or the flux analysis process. If you guys are doing this, you know, either quarterly or monthly today, this would be the ability to kind of compare these balances, either on the balance sheet or the P&L, come up with sort of a threshold, like a minimum, you know, not to exceed threshold, and whatever exceeds, right, because remember, we're getting your GL data, so whatever exceeds those thresholds from month to month or quarter to quarter, um, it can actually produce a flux for your team to say, okay, well, out of these 200 accounts, guess what, 20 of them have exceeded your allowable threshold, so here they are, you know, you can assign them to people to provide descriptions, you basically just explain what has happened. 
and Nikki, you're right. This is a year of the balance sheet. <laughs> yes. All about the balance sheet this year. <laughs> it definitely is. It definitely is um, you know, this this particular product allows us in our monthly reporting, and and our company reports to a board of director monthly, not just quarterly. So we utilize a lot of this information to spit out which um, accounts we're really going to look at from the variance analysis. Yeah, and uh, uh, many executives, um, it's funny, it's kind of like the frog in a water thing where the water is getting hotter and hotter, but we don't notice. Many people don't actually, um, I mean, they don't not realize it, but they haven't really thought about the idea of, well, I can really take my closed process and infuse some automation to it. They just kind of accept the, you know, this is the way we do it, and this is the way it has to be done, even though we're suffering through it. You know, and I myself have areas where I feel like that and I catch myself with that mindset, like why wouldn't I want to automate something? But even something like a closing checklist, which everybody has, right? You keep a closing checklist, you probably check it off as you go. Why not set it up in a way where it's evergreen, right? Set it up in a way where it can send you alerts, where it can actually support documents, where you can track the sign off, where like Nikki said, you could then share this with your auditors when they, you know, I guess they won't come to visit, but when they want to see your closing information, reconciliation information, right? Why bother playing around in their e-room? Um, most auditors are more than happy to come into the platform and look for what they need to do, right? Because all that information will be there. Closing checklist sign-offs, all your signatures, the dates that they love to see, all the backup support, the review process, the notes and everything. If you want to share with them, you can. I mean, there's even, and then you can get beyond sort of managing the day-to-day -day and start even thinking about more interesting things. Like for example, through our system, if you can actually um, have the system pre-review your reconciliations. So if you have a team, let's say they submit 50 reconciliations to you in one day, our system can actually tell you out of those 50, five of them require your immediate attention because they have a lot of age open items, because there wasn't a document backup attached to it, because X, Y, Z. So they can tell you that. Um, they can also tell you things like, hey, these other 10 are probably doing really well because it's not really experiencing any sort of red flag situations. So these are things that you wouldn't think about because these tools are just not available um, for you historically. But you know, once you take that step into automation, many doors start to open up. This is something that um, I have a customer do. This is one of my controllers and I, I love this and I brag about this all the time, but what she'll do is she'll run an open items report and um, it is, and this can't be done before the close even starts. Um, I, Nikki, I know you run reports. I don't know if you run this particular one. Do you run the open items report by chance? Do. Or do you run a completion? Yes, my controllers run this before close and after close. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so this is where it becomes so powerful, right? Again, we're all about trying to minimize um, work where it may not count. Not minimize all the work, but minimize work where it may not count. So you can run an open honest report before day zero, and then you can actually see for all the recs that I own, for example, here are all of the high-risk items. These are all the timing differences, adjustments, variances, how many days they've been aging for, who's responsible for, which account they fall into. Um, and this is actually where you can start to preemptively think about the guidance you want to give to your team. 
right? You can extract into Excel and say, well, for the first three items, let's go ahead and write it off, right? This overnight batch process, it's been open for 776 days. I don't think this batch is coming through, right? Let's go ahead and write it off, right? This is an extreme example. Or something else here, you know what? Let's monitor it for another 30 days and see what happens. So you're preemptively providing your review comments. And what does that achieve, right? What that achieves is that when your staff start to do this work, they're not doing it blind. They're not making a best guess and then submitting it to you. And then you're looking at it saying, well, I don't like it. And then you're rejecting it. And now they have to redo this work and you have to review this work. You're cutting all that gyration out of the process. because so you're just telling them, hey, these are some of your highest risk items you should be looking for. This is how I would like you to handle them. So they're gonna do their work right the first time and then you'll be done the first time. So that's how technology is really able to help you beyond just automate like a workflow process and shaving time on the stuff that you're already doing. It can actually turn, for example, your review process completely upside down where you're reviewing first <laughs> before the work even starts. Um, Nikki, um, walk us through your implementation process. So once you've decided that, you know, SkySim Art was a choice for you, um, how was that implementation? How long did it take? If you remember roughly the steps um, in your experience, if you can share that with our audience, that'd be great. Sure. So it's been a little while, I think almost three years. Yeah, um, it has. <laughs> but in that time, when we were implementing, we spent some time with Jennifer, who was fabulous to work with. Um, and we really looked at our trial balance and kind of made sure that, you know, there's a couple of templates that are extremely helpful um, in making your classifications and your uploads. So we spent quite a bit of time on those and then prepared them and then had some additional discussion with Jennifer so that we could make sure and understand um, what we wanted the system to do in the first piece and then how we wanted to maybe improve over time and so i think that was one of the key steps was really looking at that trial balance really looking at who was doing them um, how we wanted to maybe improve some of the balance amongst the staff depending on what some of their closed steps were and then we spent um, quite a bit of time from a training standpoint trying to get that buy-in that you know this change is really going to be good it's not going to be extra work um, and i will say that took a couple of months before people really kind of bought in um, but i think some of the keys there is just re-emphasizing and having that communication and showing them so at the end of the first month we had a staff call and we really um, talked about, okay, well, Sarah, how many recs were you able to auto rec out of this first month? And what were some of the issues that you had and how did you resolve those? Um, that was really key to getting the group to buy in because they learned from each other. Um, and then it started kind of becoming a contest of, who could kind of get their recs done with the least amount of effort. <laughs> so we actually, um, at the end of that year, 
Um, I think we had been doing it for three months or so. We actually gave out some little mini awards to uh, who had uh, best learned, you know, how to have SkyStem work for them instead of uh, working for the SkyStem system. So uh, it, it definitely has been a game changer. And like I said, having so many of the recs done now during the close process has been a real key to helping us manage our balance sheet and and that flux viewer has been a real because the flux viewer did not exist when we first um, mm -hmm. purchased the software and once yeah. that came into play it really was a game changer in allowing us to manage that balance sheet really look at you know how things were changing month to month and and put the attention where it needed to be yeah, the first cycle is usually not rainbows and unicorns with anything, right? There's definitely an adjustment period. Um, the setup that we do is typically about three to four weeks. That's how long it takes to get the system set up. And that first cycle, we're usually, and as you experience, we're sort of looking at your site very carefully and just seeing if people are signing in, if they're coming on, you know, what they're doing. Um, it always helps when our customers are also doing the same thing, right? So it's kind of like coming at it from both sides. And yes. your team has done a really great job in terms of um, not just adoption, you know, just like getting on, using it, giving it a try, but also like regularly saying, all right, we want to use more of something or it looks like we can, you know, turn this on or that and really looking at it carefully to see, you know, which other things you might be able to absorb as time goes on. As typically the first time around, you're not just going to get to play in everything. Exactly. Just trying to, yeah, get comfortable. And I do think that's important, Nancy, is trying not to try to do everything at once. Don't try to do the checklist and the, you know, all of your reconciliation set up in the first month. Try to get your checklist going a little bit later after, you know, you're getting the bang for the buck out of your um, reconciliations and then have that input from your team to, okay, where can the checklist really start helping us, especially if, your teams are in different locations, you know, or in the new world of completely remote work, um, the checklist is a real time saver because you can see if you're waiting on someone else to do something. Yeah, definitely. So this is our typical implementation roadmap. We kick it off with this, in this case would be Nikki and probably her um, lieutenants. Uh, we send her home with a template where she would populate the trial balance, who does the recs, how often, et cetera, when they're due. Um, and we take that completed template, that's an Excel, and then we build the site for our customers. So Nikki's team does not actually build the site. Consequently, this means that we don't actually need their IT's help to produce this site. And that's really key because our customers, we work almost exclusively with mid-sized companies. And these type of companies, you know, they have enough complexity to need a system like this, but they also don't typically have a lot of IT availability. Their IT is just very burdened already. 
So it is always better when we don't have to involve their IT team or outside consultants or that kind of complication to get the system up. After it's up, we do a site review. This is like a web session. We show you the site. You say, yep, looks about right. And then we proceed to training and then we go live. And all this takes over the course. It's about 20 hours for us to do this, but you know, in terms of elapsed time, it's about three to four weeks. Um, and this is a very deliberate strategy because we do want to minimize business disruption, again, because of the kinds of teams that we work with. They usually don't have a lot of people sitting around, you know, waiting to do projects. The close still has to happen every month. Um, they all usually already have other special projects that so we're not the first one. So we want to kind of get in there and then get out, get the system set up, get you guys trained. You know, this is on a process you already know. Granted, there is for sure a learning curve, but this is a process you already know. So we just want to get you sort of on your way. And then after that, we do want to make sure you're supported. And Nikki, as I'm looking at the slide, I don't know if, are you aware of, um, this is all of the support options we have. And I don't know if you, you probably don't use all of them. I'm almost positive you're not using all of them. What would you say you use the most in terms of support? Is it um, phone call and email chat support? Or do you guys do the Genius Academy classes or the job-based? Um, we use the, the Genius Academy classes quite a bit, especially as we bring on new people or if we have someone that's going to do recs that has not been doing recs. Um, those are super helpful. Um, and then the, I will say that there's quite a few white papers that are very beneficial. Um, and then we use some of the uh, email support. Those are the ones that we really probably use the most. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. The, the idea is to give all of our users um, as much help as they need in the manner in which they prefer to be served. So some people, um, they want to just, you know, flip through a job aid or they want to self-serve and that's fine. Others prefer to be handheld a little bit or they want to talk on a phone with somebody. That's fine as well. Um, but, you know, we don't want to limit there are systems out there that will limit the um, customer support to just like a super user or whoever you dedicate as an admin. That's really not our philosophy. So we open up all these channels to every single one of our users. If they want to take the time to write us or reach out, we want to take the time to provide the support that you're looking for. <clears throat> so that's really our philosophy there. Um, now, you have recently just finished another conversion. Um, so you're getting a couple of really good wins under your belt. <laughs> yes. Tell us, yeah, tell us about, you know, if folks on the audience here, if they're thinking about doing any kind of automation, not just this, so, you know, projects, getting buy-in and what kind of, I don't know if it's tips or traps to avoid or just thoughts that you can share with the audience that may be helpful based on your experience. Well, I think that, you know, you just mentioned, we just finished um, a new ERP implementation, same software, but a much newer version um, that we could work with a lot of the integrations that we have in our plant. So we spent the last year doing that integration work and have just brought the system live. 
And I think one of the key things that we've been focusing on is how can we have repetitive tasks done automatically? Um, things that are repetitive, accounts payable, especially um, accounts receivable. How do we quickly allow, for instance, accounts payable information to, as an invoice comes in to be paid, how can it either automatically be approved against a purchase order? How can it go out to um, a specific buyer or person in the business that had you know, bought something and needs to approve an invoice? How can we do that um, by following our purchasing rules, following um, the rules of how much people have um, that they can sign for? and automate that whole process. So we actually have um, now automated that process where once an invoice comes in, if it is a particular vendor that we can tie it down to say, okay, this vendor always gets coded to this specific place and they have a, um, let's say they have a drawdown PO, it automatically will go through the system and no one will touch it. Um, all the way to, we may have other invoices that come in that always need some sort of approval process and they will go out through mobile devices now. And on my phone, I can actually, within one to six clicks, depending on what it is, I can actually approve an invoice no matter where I am. So yeah. I think that, yeah, Nancy, our focus is really on looking for areas in the business where our people, whether it be in accounting and finance or anywhere else in the plant, are doing things that are repetitive that can either be automated or sent through a workflow process so that there's not so many emails floating around asking questions. Um, it has really brought a lot to the party. Yeah, and it's taking the same principles, right? Things that we already doing We've been doing it for a long time the same way, yes. doing it well, but just not very fast. Exactly. <laughs> and right, just start to really cut down on, hey, can we minimize the administration? Can we minimize the having to be at a certain place at a certain time? Can we minimize handoffs? Can we improve accuracy, improve speed, maybe get some data, make the audit easier? Um, and that's really, I think it's really great that you're able to apply this to other areas as well and you know as you guys know once you get one or two projects successfully under your belt it's yes. much easier to enable change in other areas because you have a history of success and okay. showing results you know nancy we use the skystem basis of being able to see like when one of my um, people logs in and says oh i have you know 12 reps that i have to do we use that same process um, in the new software to set up workspaces so that they actually will have nice little um, tiles that say, hey, you have eight action items that you need to accomplish today. Um, and it was very configurable, similar to what they have in Skyson. Yeah, makes a world of difference. Can you, if When you can just see even a little bit of insight, <laughs> Yes, a visual, right? Yes, just a visual. That's 
you know, we're accountants here. We're not asking for much usually. It's really just getting some data, getting some insight, you know, and maybe not do so much hands on, you know, down and dirty work. Um, especially now a lot of our teams are smaller and we're expected to, to do a lot more. Exactly. And thank you guys all for joining. Nikki, thank you so much for being on this session today and really sharing that success story with our audience. I hope folks are motivated to make changes, you know, lead this type of effort, because this is something that more and more executives are looking for, especially this year, now that they've just been beat up on this area from the pandemic in 2020. So thank you, Nikki, so much for being here. Thank you, Mabel, for hosting our webinar today. And we will hopefully see you next week on the session. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.